Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Billy Jones, a.k.a. BJ, the creator of Everyday Folks Radio and the host of BJ Speaks. It is January 2nd, 2020, and I wish you, your family, loved ones, and friends a joyful new year and prosperous one, too. If you are listening live at 8 p.m. right now, it's because we are really live at 8 p.m. right now. In fact, I'm so excited that now we have moved at least this segment to a prime time segment. So that way we'll have an opportunity to engage with our everyday folks family throughout the week as well as the weekends too. If at any time you'd like to speak to me during this live broadcast, you may call me at 347-539-5372. Again, that call in number is 347-539-5372. And for those of you who are a little shy, who prefer to send your questions, comments, and requests via electronic mail, you may do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That is everydayfolks, with an S, listen, at gmail.com. It has already been two days in 2020, and I have to say that so far it's been good. There's a lot to be grateful for, and there's a lot to look forward to. Today's segment is a 2020 preview, not only of what's going on in everyday folks' world, BJ's world, but also the creative world, perhaps some pop culture world, and maybe a little political conversation too. To get this going and started, I've invited someone special back to the studio who pops in on occasion just to be an inspiration and a support, as always, to the incredible programming that we're doing here at Everyday Folks. And I introduce my dear and one and only Fabio. Fabio, welcome everybody. Happy 2020. Thank you, thank you, Billy. Glad to be here. You know, this has been a very good year, as I shared, and of a lot of the, there's a lot of movement. You know, when we talk about 2020 arriving, right, Fabio? There, there's a lot of um, certainty, and everyone feels that sense of newness and restart in a new year. How's it been going for you? Everything is going good so far. There's only two days, but so far everything is going great. I'm glad that 2019 is over, and I look forward for a great 2020. 2020 also, it's a cool number, isn't it? Like, uh, exactly 100 years ago, we had a 1920. And I think back, the 20s, 100 years ago in America, America was a different, very different nation. It was post-industrialization. We were just before the Great Depression of 1929. We were just before a couple of major wars. America was defining itself in its own brand and image. And also a a major immigration of of, of a number of individuals had already occurred. 
but there was a neo-immigration of individuals who arrived to America. So America was evolving. And to the America that we have today is certainly not the America we had 100 years ago. But aren't we so grateful to be in the times that we're in, right? And so today's conversation is a, a preview of 2020. So one of the things that someone asked me a couple of weeks ago as we were closing out 2019, uh, Father, you know, you and I, we talk about this a lot. 2019 was a good year to start. It was a good overall year. It was a good overall year. But that last quarter was very rocky, right? Yes, it was. And so even though as, as challenging as it may be, we're here now. And unfortunately, as we know, there are many who have not been able to be here to celebrate this. So we have to celebrate this moment and look forward to a positive future. But there's a lot going on, would you say? A lot of stuff that would make you tune out in, 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 from the world, on social media, in the media, and the like. What are some of the things that are coming in 2020 that you know, know most certainly will make the news? November 2020, election day. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's uh, paying attention to that now because we're nearing the uh, uh, final stages of, of that. At one point or another, we will decide who will be uh, coming into the White House or remaining in the White House. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be a very pressing year. And it's already gotten started. I've been watching the debates, following the debates, and I, I'm, I'm excited and I'm concerned. You know, I have no problem sharing my point of view in that regard. But I also am hopeful that the younger generation, this is the call to action for you. More than ever, we need every voice to, to count. Uh, we've seen enough. We've heard enough. And I think if, you're, if your ears are open, and surely your social media accounts are too, for those who are watching, you wouldn't be listening to me if you didn't have a social media account, at least to know that I exist. We do hope that you're tuned in. If you're in America, definitely you need to be engaged. There is no time for, for voting apathy at all. And so we do hope that you'll get out. Something more, though, it's also an Olympic year. The 2020 Olympics is this summer. Wow. Yeah. It's been already been four long, years. It's been wow. <laughs> in four years. And so as a result, we need to, those 10 days, I think it's 10 or 12 days, wherever, you know, how many days it is. It's always exciting. I, I personally love the track and field. I like to watch the track um, competitions, some of the swim competitions. But it's just a moment where each country can celebrate its patriotism and represent its uh, each, each community of member from those countries, represent them accordingly. So we got the Olympics coming. We also have the Grammys are coming as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the Grammys, this is the time of year. In fact, it usually happens right after Super Bowl. We have Super Bowl coming as well. <laughs> we got the Emmys as well, though. The Emmys, well, yeah, the Emmys, I think, are coming as well, too, because yeah. they're, like, they're, they're right at the early part of the year. And right after the Super Bowl is usually those things. They usually follow up or are probably pre preclude them or post or, or follow, whatever. Uh, but we do have Super Bowl, and Super Bowl's right here in Miami, minutes away from where we are right now from the studio. So everyone is excited. There's a lot of opportunity and newness in the air. But I also recognize that as much as it may sound fun, a lot all these things come with a price, come with a cost. If we stay, if we sat and remain negatively with the world, and focus on all the negatives that it has. I don't think people ever leave their homes. And so, and I do believe the world still has good. If not, we wouldn't be able to be and live the lives that we have. 
there's still much more good in the world. Always will be. That's how it continues to thrive. We can't control Mother Nature. We can't control other natural disasters, but we can't control our own actions. And so as a result, we have to be very grateful. Last year, when I started 2019, I started with the mantra, be stronger than your excuses. That was my theme for 2019. Do you have a theme for 2020, Fabio? You know, I haven't thought about one yet, but I but but going back to what you said about um, what goes on around us and how we perceive things and how we see things, we cannot change uh, events and we cannot, uh, as a you know, as individuals, sometimes feel that we affect anything. But what we can do is we can perhaps react differently, so that way we're not as affected by things that go on around us that we quite frankly can't prevent whether it be a natural disaster or, um, you know, any kind of political issue going on or anything else. But I, I think that us being able to see in the future ahead what we need to do and what we can, how can we help and how we can weather this, I think it makes us all prosper. Absolutely. And we can also, you know, lower our levels of, of anxiety if, if, if there's anything there because, with the amount of news that we have now going on through social media, through news channels, uh, it, it can't make anybody anxious just by watching the nightly news. Absolutely. And so, therefore, I, you know, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, she said her theme this year was fitness and finance. <laughs> and I like that. I said, that's a very good one. F, F. F, F, F and F. So this year, I have yet to come up with my own mantra of sorts. And so as the weeks progress, folks, perhaps you could help me with a little contest on that. So as the year progresses, I'm sure each of you who are listening out there, whether you're listening live or on the download podcast, you're probably also stewing over your own thoughts and what you'd like to do with the 2020 year. If you come up with some exciting themes or suggestions for those, could you send me in, send me a, a message through everydayfolks at gmail, everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Or you can inbox me or message me on any of my social media feeds, which you can find at billypauljones.com, everydayfolksfolks.com, and, of course, under my name across the world. So we have a couple comments coming in out, Fabio. The first is from our very own dear family member here of Everyday Folks Radio, Anike F. Madison. She says, hello, Billy and Fabio. Looking forward to an exciting year and everything going on with Everyday Folks. Wishing you amazing success on BJ Speaks and Everyday Folks Short Stories. Thank you so much, Anike. You know, Anike is so awesome. She is. And many folks don't know that they know. If you don't know this, now you know, because I know this. Because I was on her show a couple weeks ago, and she was on mine. Anike recently released her latest work. And I feel that if you haven't seen her work yet, you need to go check it out. And on her website at AnikeMadison.net, which is a beautiful website, she launched a, a new site recently. Her latest work, which is titled Step-by-Step Caregiver's Guide for Medical Appointments and Hospital Visits. I've read it. I've enjoyed it. I enjoy my conversations every time with her. For those of you who are out there, whether you are in the present moment of caregiving or, better yet, if you're in the process of uh, watching, observing on the sidelines, someone else doing the same thing, or perhaps you never know when you need a kind of book like this, this definitely is a find that you should have on your shelf. It's one of those works that you'll need if not some perspective that will help you in the time that is most critical. So support her, if you will, by going to NikkeMadison.net, available on the virtual web. So, Father, we have a few questions that are coming in that came in actually before the show. 
So in our tradition, whenever Fabio's here in the show, he reads those questions. We have a conversation about them. And before the show started, I got like the 13th question came in there. So in addition to those that may be coming in, folks, thanks for your listening and your love. We'll try to feel both communities as well. I just saw another email shout out from a Janicia. Janicia, thank you for your love and support from ATL for listening to the show and a happy new year. I send you greetings. I hope the weather is very good to you because where we're at, it is splendid. <laughs> it is the warmest spot in the U.S., I think, oh, right? It is. We the are the spot. warmest spot in the U.S. right here in, down, in, in Miami. We are in Miami. It's a beautiful time of year. It's the best time of year to live right now in, in, in America. And so as a, as a, in that regard, I do want to ask the question. What do you got there? Uh, well, first question is from Stanley from Georgia. And he says, what makes a great novel? Hmm. Who's Stanley? That's a really good question. What makes a great novel? First of all, it's a, it's a good question, but it's also one that has great subjectivity. What I may deem as good or essential or quality may be different from others. And yes, there are those from the canonical world of literature who have defined the value of a work by its value in its present moment. You know, thinking about artists, and Fabio, you know this best too. Anytime there's an artist, artists, we are very special people. Whether you're an author, a photographer, an artist, or as far as illustration, painting, etc., our work signifies the impressions of the political, the sociopolitical, what is currently, um, going, currently on, going on in the world at that time. Yes, we may carry across across we may carry across themes or times or eras. But there's still our time, our experience. It resonates right now in the moment. And so I do feel that in that regard, a good novel is one that grabs your attention. And it is so good that you're willing not only to talk about it with others, but also give a copy to someone else or recommend that they purchase. It's one of those works that sends a message that resonates with you personally. It's just it's no different than a good song or a good film. Would you agree? Because there are certain things that Fabio may like. I know he's more into comedy. You like comedy. I enjoy, I like comedy very much. Because especially this time of my life, you know, life is already dreary enough. We need a little more laughter. So I, I'm there with you. But I also like my horror. I like my suspense. I like a little thriller every once in a while. But I have to be in a mood for those things. And so what I may deem as great also depends on my generation. Because each generation sees itself as a standard. And so... I've seen things, and I'm sure you have too, right, Fabio, things that have come through that in our time. E.T. was awesome. Now I'm seeing these commercials with E.T., and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'm nostalgic about it. And Billy, not Billy, what was it, Elliot? Elliot, I'm thinking um, the Gremlins, Billy. But Elliot in that movie in E.T., he's now an adult, and E.T.'s come back home. And so even though there's no reboot of anything from what I understand not coming, just a reminder is nostalgia for us Generation Xers. Do you agree? It brings back memories of where we were when the movie came out and and the whole, you know, what, what space where we were in. And we we're all kids. I remember when that movie came out. Absolutely. I was telling Fabio, Drew Barrymore and I are the same age, 25. And so as a result, when that movie came out, I was in the movie theater watching it, and that little girl was my age. And I remember my mom telling me that. And that was already, the 80s were in the 40 years ago. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, the oldies now plays 80s music. The oldies plays 80s music. At least locally in Miami, the oldies station now is 80s music. It is. Remember when there was a time there would be 50s? 50s. I mean, I don't know. I mean, 
where are those now? Yeah, a few years ago they were placed seventies. Yeah. I guess I should have only thought ahead and said, you know what, the next stop's going to be eighties, and it is here. Yeah. <laughs> so here yeah. we are. Here we are. <laughs> here we are, and it's really cool writing the date, right? When you write the date out, I wrote the date yesterday out. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like one plus two tap plus twenty. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Right. Twenty twenty to prevent forgery. Remember. Right. Ah, a friend of ours told us that yes, writing twenty twenty. You got to write it out fully to. So that way nobody adds the extra zero five or zero nine or ten or whatever the case may be. Correct. That's a good point because it's the only year that you'll be able to do that. Correct. Yeah, that makes sense. Any other questions? Oh yes, we have Maria from Miami. And she's she's asking, who are you looking forward? Uh, who who are you looking forward to this year? So I'm looking forward, and and this is a question for both of us actually, Fabio. I personally am looking forward to new and emerging artists who don't get an opportunity. For instance, I, I was you and I, Fabio, are, are dear friends. We we call them the Fastos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll call them that. <laughs> They are our dear friends, and we were talking about um, one artist. I like Billie Eilish. I like her because out in the mainstream today, there's no one else. She was young when she first started in this game. There's no one else doing what she's doing right now, and it's not. she's not selling the sex. She's selling the artistry, and I appreciate that. And so it's not that I don't like having my get crunk music and things of that nature, but it's kind of nice just seeing another artist who's focusing back on the artistry of, of making music, and it's beautiful to watch. And so I'm looking forward to seeing more artists, not only from the music world, but also author world, too. This is a time for independent authors, I feel. You know, going on the days of traditional contracts coming out for many. I've had them. They've been great. I've had some, some success with, with, with a traditional contract with a, with a publishing company. But they're also self-published and independent publishing companies, which there's a difference between the two. But those are the that's where all these real hard hardcore authors and writers and creatives are coming out of. And I think that more people listening, not just here in America, but around the world, should be supporting those. So I'm looking forward to seeing more things like that come out. But we're celebrating these individuals. I don't want to call them underdog because we're all top dog. But it's just celebrating these individuals who deserve an opportunity to be a celebrated and recognized for their contributions in their art form. Uh, I, my, my, actually, what I'm looking for is actually part of the next question. What's the next question? The next question comes from Sydney from New York City, New York. Mm-hmm. And he says, what is your opinion about American politics in 2020? And to go back to question number two from Maria, uh, I'm looking forward to turning on the news and not seeing some kind of investigation or some kind of scandal coming from the White House. It was so nice when we had, uh, President Obama or even George Bush, that it, it wasn't crazy like it is now. It does give you fatigue when you watch TV. Every day something's new. Every day is another scandal, be it, you know, from the White House or people that, that they're associated with or whatnot, whether it be a Democrat or a Republican that, that you know, that is in there. I don't, I don't believe it is in the, the best interest of our nation. Uh, to have all of this going on when there's so much to do. It gives us fatigue and it is tiring and it does make people turn off and, and, and not vote and not participate in which way we all should. So I look forward to, to seeing hopefully something change in that aspect, whether it be another Republican or whether it be a Democrat, that, but somebody who will not be involved in so much going on at the same time from all sorts of angles and areas. 
We want a selfless agenda. We need to focus on the issues and focus on the things that are most critical. And I think that in 2020, I think people are banking, especially those powers that be. Some are banking that because they're acting the way they do, that people will not listen. They'll tune out. And this is more than as, as annoying and as nauseating as it can be. We have to still pay attention because at the end of the day, our voice and our democracy matters. And I think it's important that we continue to push that envelope. This coming March at Barrett College, I'm hosting, I'm chairing again the annual Festival of Music, Film, Literature, and Art. And one of the authors there, Karina Schmidt, will be coming out, and she wrote a book about, about voting and, and, and things of that nature. So the, those of you who are here on March 19th, if you're around at 945 to 1045 at Miramar West Center in, in, in Broward, you're welcome to come out to this event to hear her inspiring words. She'll be speaking to the college community. Uh, not, it's not just about promoting her work, but promoting the awareness, the campaign of being civically engaged. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree. And uh, I, like, like we discussed before, I look forward to November 2020 and see what the outcome will be. Yeah. I mean, we were stressed. Every four years, we get stressed. It's like, oh. Yes. It's like <laughs> stressful. Like, oh, gosh. What's our next question? Our next question comes from Christina from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm an aspiring author. I've always wanted to publish in my, my memoir. Any tips? I'm currently shopping for a publisher. Hmm. So her name again is? Christine. Christine, thank you for your question. And as a new author, the first thing, obviously, to do is make sure you have a manuscript because it's great to talk about writing a book, but now you're talking about publishing. So those are two different things. It sounds to me like you're a step up. So firstly, there are three options. And I've spoken about them over the past four years, almost five years now on this, on this podcast. One of them is choosing the platform or knowing your, well, choosing the platform by which you like to make that on-rep in, into publishing. And that can be through self-publish. That can be through independent publishers, which are small-scale publishers who may not be one of the elite 10 or five in the world, but they still have a major punch in the game, which is majority of every publishers that exist today. And then there are traditional publishers, which are the big houses like Penguin, um, McGraw-Hill, et cetera. So you have to find your path. Secondly, know your audience. Because at the end of the day, yes, we all can sell our work, and we can easily self-publish. I think Amazon does a great job from the self-publish aspect of providing create space for authors at a very reasonable price to get your work out there. So everyone thinks that once I publish it, people are going to find my work. The work really begins if your job is to promote that work and market it, marketing matters. And so that's a whole other conversation. So finding that, finding the right path, it's up to you. I personally have done all three. So I've published independent and traditional. I learned the, the joys and the pitfalls of each. I'll be happy to have that conversation with you. If you follow the email that you sent me, we can have an offline communication, not just by email, but by phone or Skype where we can chat further about your interests. And perhaps maybe that conversation can be brought here for an everyday folk segment. But I encourage you, depending on your interest, your angle, and your outlook, you have to find the right path in terms of the publishing outlet that you like to go. Because it, it's the business side of it could scare anyone. But if you're looking at the artistry, you can go pretty much through anything, especially through the self-publishing outlets. There's several great options like CreateSpace that is out there that allows you to get your work out there at a reasonable price. 
Uh, our next question comes from Maya from Louisiana. Uh, and she says, my son is 17 years old and is interested in creating a podcast. However, I have reservations due to his age. What is your opinion on minors doing podcasting? Hmm. Well, that's a good one. So I personally look at podcasting. Depends on, first of all, Maya, how you view podcasting. What is the content? You know, or what's the content? Right, because there are different types of podcasts. There are those who do pop culture for entertainment purposes. There are those who do current and events. There are those who do everyday real human stories like what we do here on Everyday Folks. But first, you have to define and know, talk, have a conversation with your son to know his objective and his vision. And then secondly, I know he's 17, which I'm assuming that this year he'll be 18 at this point. So at some point, you may or may not have a voice in this conversation. But I can also understand the digital world is no different than the media world in general when there were only times when there was only radio or newspaper. Or better yet, times when parents, there are some parents who are gung-ho with putting their kids out in the public for getting that celebrity opportunity, getting a leg up, creating a career, and then their momagers and those that come out. I get it. But I also recognize that you can't view, podcasting can therefore be no view differently than salads of those perspectives. And I feel that if you're having, if you have the communication and the level of magnitude of engagement that I think you do, have a meaningful adult conversation with him to see what the value of this will be, what is his intent, his purpose, and what is his vision for doing this. Because if he does it well, it could very well be very lucrative and lead him into great places. I know when I started this podcast, it was started, and it still is, an ancillary to what I do, which is writing books. But it's grown into something more, and it has close to 8,000 listeners now. And so as a result, we, I'd be remiss to say that now, oh, podcasting is just a hobby. Podcasting has, is as equally as important as it is for me to publish. And so at times, publishing still is the, the, the main reason. But I now recognize this other platform, this beautiful platform, has allowed me to create a new listenership of folks and also readership for what I do. And so I, what I say to you, Maya, is that you may want to be considerate and have that dialogue with your son, a very meaningful adult conversation about his future as it ties to it. Because also, once you put something like this out there, it's forever memorializing the world. And so it's no different than posting something on social media. And so even though it's digital, and yes, it may be, it, it may be, I don't know what his, his intentions is. I'm assuming it may be moderate. But the point is, it still will define his brand in the world. So have a conversation with him. And if you'd like to be part of that dialogue, you can always communicate with me right here at Everyday Folks Radio and at my email address, which is available online through everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or my website, billypauljones.com. You and he can have that dialogue. But I appreciate your conversation. Any thoughts on that, Fabio? Yes, he has to be very cognizant because we now live in a world that everything is recorded, everything is uh, it's somehow kept in, in a repository somewhere. So depending on the content of his uh, show or the topic, he has to be able to understand that it can be pulled up 20 years from now. Uh, it can be revealed or it can be, you know, it, it, it's something that he needs to consider what the repercussions are going to be maybe in the future, right. depending on the content that is, that is you know, discussed. That's a very good question, though, but I salute you as a parent for your willingness to help him because your question it clearly indicates that there is 
a desire on your behalf to see him happy and succeed? Uh, we have Don from Miami, mm-hmm. and he says, I've been watching the news lately, mm-hmm. and I'm very disappointed in the political drama. My kids could care even less. What are your thoughts on political conversation with children? I, well, I would imagine yeah. how old are the children. That's, that's yeah. question number one. Because if the children are of an age of 16, 17, uh, they are of an age where they can start having their voices heard and perhaps being uh, active voters or perhaps volunteer to whichever political party they feel engaged with. Um, but I, would, I think it would, well, I would know, like to know what ages are your children. Is it children or a child? Young adults under 18? Or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Don, Fabio's point is questions on point. Uh, what is, we need a little more information so before we can render an opinion. But I would say. Well, that, let's assume that they are middle school. Well, we can elementary school. I would middle. say elementary because, I mean, if a child, think about when children first are introduced to the concept of death. And when children are six years old and a parent die, or a relative dies, you know, what's that conversation like, Don? For instance, does one say, oh, they go, you know, does a child go to sleep? Uh, or, you know, that, is that realistic? Or if a kid is old enough to ask that question, are they ready for the answer? And so some psychologists will say, yes, they are. They're willing to ask. Obviously, you have to be cognizant of your delivery. But they want to know. They're thinking. That means they're aware. And their self-awareness is important. So I feel that these conversations are important. Now, if you want to make sure that your child has a neutral standpoint and to form his or her own opinion, then that's their opinion. Because we all have borrowed belief systems from religion to politics and the like, even the food we eat. And so it's not until we, we become of age when we discover what we want. So I would say have a conversation that you feel will be meaningful. Ask. Perhaps they're ready to at least get, get some kind of introduction. But Fabio's question to you was on point, which is, what are these ages and we would need some other context in order to guide or get some, some feedback. No matter what, be truthful. Be honest and be truthful. Honest. Forthright. Be forthright. Thank you, Don. Uh, we have Chris from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year, BJ. Wishing you, the, wishing you the very best with your new book, too. Recently, I was told by a friend of my, that my independent book will never sell and that the only way to make, a re, to make real money is to go the traditional publishing to traditional publishing. Could you shed a little light on this topic for me? Hmm. I say to your friend, Craig, I always find that sometimes, in my experience, those who render the most negative opinions, they themselves are not doing what you're doing. Always is the case. A real friend would be encouraging. I also, I don't mean to judge your, judge your friend because at the end of the day, you're only offering what we know digitally. But I also have to say, if you feel it's best for you, I know that friends do matter and they have opinions and they do have some influence on our, 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 our outlook and our actions sometimes. Maybe the person's not a friend. Maybe there's an acquaintance. Right. Or perhaps they work, you know. Right. We could dig further and find out, you know, what constitutes a friend. But I would say this. Anyone who's really for you would give you advice and honest advice. Because also, right. too, it's one thing to say, we want, I want to write a book, but then if or I'll give you another example. It's one thing to say I would like to be a chef, but I'm good at cooking for my family and friends. I don't want to do this full time. So therefore, I have to know myself before I can put myself out there, one. Two, I would also say that at the end of the day, if you feel you have a work 
interview, shopped it around with those who have a critical eye and an objective eye on what you're doing, and they support that, you go with that. There are over 20,000 books being released per month in America. And that, and so you will be joining the ranks of others. Many dream of writing their own book, even if it's just for their own personal satisfaction. I say go with your heart and go with what's best for you. And if you've already written this work, then don't let anyone stop you from getting it printed or digital. But if it's still in a work in progress, meaning perhaps the work doesn't exist because you're still working on the vision of what it will be, that's a different dialogue. And maybe your friend may see something about you that we can't see because we're only reading about you. But though, I always say this about dreams. And Fabio, there have been people told you in your own life the things that you can and cannot do. Correct. From, and I'm not talking family here. I'm talking coworkers, friends, and the like. You know, the Debbie Downers. And I always say to those folks, you know, they, they drink and they, they invest in a lot of haterade <laughs> that sits in, in their fridges on their cases. It loves company. It does. And don't give them access to your party. And so instead, if you do, give them access to your show. They can sit in the front row. They just can't get them to see. Oh, better yet, they can purchase your book. They can purchase the book. And support you. See, that's what a real friend does, you know, and not asking about prices of books and things of that nature. You know, I always say I appreciate all the love that I got from friends. I have to name one in particular, my dear fellow author and friend, brother Nadine Tavsh, and his lovely wife, my dear friend Chris Tavsh. You know, they always are so supportive. And he himself, he is a phenomenal artist. You should go look at his stuff, by the way, and you need to be buying Pushing Down Daisies, by the way, as a, as a matter of fact. We will be bringing him back later this year for a conversation. We had him here in October. We always enjoy having, we always tabasco, enjoy tabasco having the tabascos here. <laughs> but if, if, if he, and all the beautiful things he does, he puts out artwork that is amazing. You should go to his Instagram. And if he had ever listened to anyone, I'm certain probably in his life he had someone who was a naysayer. He wouldn't be where he's at. So I say to you, dear sir, you have to find your voice and follow your heart. Absolutely. You can never mm-hmm. go wrong that way. Uh, we have Cindy from Los Angeles. Of all the decades you've lived, which one did you enjoy the most and why? Hmm. Um, wow. I don't know. I, I would say, Cindy, that my most favorite decade, I, it was not the 90s. Can I say my, my, my least favorite? I spent the entire 90s in school. I graduated high school in 92, and I finished a PhD in 2003. And so all of the 90s I spent in school and building my brand of a career, which I'm grateful for. And I enjoyed it. I was young, and I had the energy. But I was working a lot. <laughs> and so now the 2000s were great because I was in transition. And then I would say two, I would say 2010s were really good. I like the 2010s because, I mean, the, the 2010s because I was able to exercise all the hard work, the fruits of all the labor brought me to where I'm at now. So I have to say my most favorite would probably be the 2010s in that sense because I was in that season of growth and, and exercising what I did. But I'm really looking forward to this decade because I feel like now I'm, I'm – I'm right in the middle of the 40s club, smack in the middle of it. I'm four years out from 50, and I realize there's a lot of things in living and things that mattered to me 10 years ago don't matter to me now. And so that's called maturing. So I would say that. What about you, Fabio? What was your favorite? I don't know. Um, um, With age uh, comes wisdom and experience. 
I would say that I, I like the, the 2000s were good. You know, you become independent, you, you start having your career, and you know what you, what you want your life to be mm-hmm. like in the future, and you start working towards that goal. And you may have some setbacks, but you, you know, you get up and keep on moving. And yeah, I said the 2000s, 2010s. Yeah, you know, but that's you know, why they're different. You know, early 20s, you know, 30s. I yeah. say, you know, I look forward to the, to the rest of my 40s, you know, and beyond. But um, yeah, it, 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 I feel that it was a little less stressful. I agree. Uh, it was a little less stressful than it is right now for reasons, whether they're personal reasons or, you know, what's going on around me. You know, forty said, yeah. What has been good so far? Forty have been me. good for me. They've been like I've had more fun in the thirties, but my forties have been good. I feel like I have more confidence in certainty of who I am and where I fit in the world in my forties. That is for certain. And so that was a great question. I like that. Thank you very much. I think, the, I think when you enter your forties, and we've spoken about that before, uh, you start really caring for the matters that matter the most to you and you start caring less about the nicky picky things during the day and the nicky picky co-workers and the you know the little things that we really shouldn't be focusing our energy on or wasting time with. right right and that i do enjoy because it does make your life easier at least for me it has that's a good point very good point fabio we're down now folks for the last nine minutes of this segment and we do have a few more questions yes we do so uh Carlos from Miami. Happy New Year. When will, when, when will we be interviewing artists and authors again? I enjoy those segments. That's a great question. That We are, right now, we're, we're working on the programming for the show. Nikki has some great things lined up for Journey, Nikki S with Journey into Passion. I'm also working on, we have a few reunion shows. I have yet to host a single reunion show since I started my own show. And Nikki, my dear friend, has done very well. In fact, I've been one of her reunion shows, and I appreciate that. And I start thinking, a lot of the folks who I interviewed over the past four years, they're doing some remarkable things. Nobody's in the same place they were before. So definitely bring it on some reunion shows, such as bringing back Dr. Larry Johnson. At the time when I interviewed him, he was, he was an author, and he was an associate dean. Now he's the college president in Arizona. So I think you all would be very delighted to hear what he's doing. Or bringing in David Alexander Taylor, who's another example. I mean, before, he, we, we started with conversations about a book cover, and then now, here we are. He's now this international photographer, artist, and traveler, and he makes the coolest videos. They're so digitally beautiful videos and clips and trailers. I just love what he's doing. So we definitely have some things in store, and, I'll, and do tune in guys on my website at billypauljones.com or everydayfolksbooks.com. The lineup, they both meet to match the, or point you to the same website. Definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, we got Ripley from Connecticut. You mentioned that you mentioned the South Florida Writers Association on several shows. Mm-hmm. Can you share more info about it? I'm interested in joining. Thank you so much, Ripley, for your question. The South Florida Writers Association is an organization that has been around now for 30 years. It was founded in 1990. And 1990 was 30 years 1990, ago. 1990, huh? right? <laughs> and this organization is special to me. I always tell folks the story. I became a member because of the amazing Nikkei Madison. And so we, we both joined the same day. We went and checked it out. And then we both became board members. Thank you, Nikkei. But nonetheless, it is an organization that celebrates published, independent, and emerging authors. Go to SouthFloridaWriters.org, our official national website. 
I'm a proud board member. We have an amazing president, Beverly Molassi Hag, who does an amazing job in her second term as president to keep the pulse of our organization moving forward. So we help and celebrate authors each month. There's a monthly meeting. Now you're in Connecticut, I believe. And so I think she's in Connecticut, right? Where is she? And so even though you may be afar, there is an out-of-county option. We are working diligently to see what we can do to help reach. Many of our authors, by the way, live in the Tri-County area here in South Florida. But we are looking at ways to, to make sure we have a more farm or reach an arm reaching out elsewhere. And that may include your interest once you join. Maybe perhaps you'd like to start a chapter of at South Florida Writers Association where you're at. Uh, Paul from Miramar. Uh, how can we embrace, if not discover, our inner artist in 2020? Oh, Paul, that's a really good one and a very easy question. You know what one needs to do? Don't forget to be a child. Video games are cool. They're good ways to discover your artistry, but you're playing with others' artistry. But it's different when you're also playing board games, when you're creating and promoting critical thinking. Or there are adult coloring books. I've been to Five and Below recently, and I could not believe the plethora of adult coloring books that exist. Or better yet, painting with a twist. There's so many options on, on Groupon that are in your locale that allow you to get out and be part There's of There's also some uh, glassblowing classes. Glassblowing classes, absolutely. You can make, you know, uh, anything for the house, you know, from ashtrays to bowls. Right. And, Paul, you're in Miramar, so you're just one county over. We have all those options. Living in South Florida is an advantage. It's our county area. And so get out and explore those things. And go on meetup.com. If you go down to meetup, there are so many meetup groups that are out there for different artistic tastes. Now, if you're thinking of being a true artist, that's one thing. But it sounds to me like you're just looking for something for aesthetic enjoyment. And so there are so many options and avenues out there. I say explore them all and hit me up if you have any further questions. Uh, Priscilla from Florida, what is your take on ghostwriters? Are they selling themselves out for business profit? That's a good question, Priscilla. Priscilla, I'll say this. I have many folks who come to me and ask me to write their novels. And I would say this, a ghost writers are, it's a, it's a job, it's work. And those writers, when they enter that line of work, they are aware they're fully surrendering their artistry to, to the brand and name or image of someone else. And so I don't think they're bad things. What I do think, though, is folks have to recognize if you're going to be true artists, it's no different than what actors feel for those who are reality TV stars, which is the real actor, Right. And so if you're a ghostwriter, you are well signing up with the full intention that you know that your contribution is not yours. It will be long because you're willing to sell it for business. So I don't see personally a challenge with it. In fact, I have folks who come to me so often, I even thought about creating a, a, an LLC of ghostwriters, especially for former students of mine who want an on-ramp for their own careers. But if you ghostwrite for someone, how can you say that you wrote a novel and it no, technically no longer was yours, right? How do you put that on your resume? So it becomes another challenge. Very good. Uh, Bobby from Georgia. So what is your main reason for publishing? I think you have a give. I think you'll give a really inspiring answer. Oh, thank you. I say that my reason for publishing is because I had something to say and I wanted the world to hear it. And I love writing. I love art and I love language. And I've always had a fascination for those things since a child. And so I felt it was time and. 16 years ago, I did it. I put out my first book, Everyday Folks Volume 1. It was 16 years ago. And so now it's come to where we're at today. It's created this very show brand and network 
I do what I do because I love people, I love their stories, and I love art and writing. And so I and I and if I don't make a whole lot of money off of it, I'm okay with that because I'm feeling I'm fulfilled. I'm fulfilling what's best for me and absolutely. Thank you for that question. Uh, and the last question, Donnell from Georgia. Why do you have? Who do you have coming up uh, next on the show? What's to come? Well, good question. I will say this. I can't reveal quite yet who who's coming, but I will reveal the following. I'm going to be hosting now. We are now prime time. I, Anike, um, the girls on Keeping Up with K-pop. We're all going to be hosting prime time shows throughout the week in order to reach our audience, in addition to those weekend segments that we always do. So I love this Thursday time. So I think Thursday is going to become my new prime time for just an under an hour that we'll have conversations of the sort. I also want to say that there are going to be some really fascinating people. Here's a hint. Some really cool people with some unforgettable stories are coming. And, I, and also including what's coming, even some blogging. We're trying to see if we can get some video segments that will come up in the future. That's not immediate right now, honestly, because I'll be on tour. But I will say that I am interested in exploring the potentials for that in the future. But right now, it's all about everyday folks. And folks, I can't thank you enough for listening. Fabio, thank you so much for being here as well. You're welcome. You're glad to be here. You know, continue to listen to our show. We have more shows that are coming. In fact, I'm bringing back this show next Thursday, if time permits. <laughs> if not, do check my website at phillypauljones.com for more listings. Thank you and take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.